My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Good afternoon, all my listeners. I'm doing a little series on creating homes. And so who, who I'm interviewing today is actually a friend of ours who, who grew up in this community alongside my oldest kids. I wanted to slot this into this particular series because part of the way with, that we create the homes that we want to have for our family life is by taking care of ourselves. And so, Elisa, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Elisa Frankham is here with me, and she is here because this is what your bio says from your from your Instagram page. I think it's lovely. I help sensitive, introverted mamas pull them themselves out of overwhelm and start cultivating lives of ease and joy. And your Instagram is cultivating.ourselves, right? Okay, so so I think that's really lovely. And if we don't take care of ourselves, it's going to be very hard to take care of the people in our on our household, right? So how do we create a home without without that basis, right? So I was hoping you would tell us a little bit about your family. I've known you when you were probably ten when <laughs> when I first met you. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day, and I think it must have been around ten. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, yes, I grew up schooling as well um and i got married pretty young um by worldly standards 22 when we got married and we got pregnant very quickly and kept having babies um so five now and <laughs> yeah <laughs> very beautiful babies so too so. <laughs> <laughs> yes they're lovely so my oldest is 13 uh nearly next week this coming week 13 which is Wow, wow, that's a whole new step. Teenage. <laughs> yes. How did that happen? People, I remember people saying that about their when their kids when their kids uh, became teenagers and really feeling it myself. Yeah. And then uh, our youngest is yeah. And um, yeah, so we had our kids. They're pretty close together, as you can tell from their ages. Mm-hmm. I I would say that mm-hmm. a lot of those years, I was a very overwhelmed mom, and uh, and so I have a lot of sympathy. And it's easy to get in that place. And that was one of the questions I thought would be a really good place to start. Is is how do you think you ended up in overwhelm? If you can share that with us, if you've sort of reflected on that, and how how did you feel like you ended up there? Um, well, I think part of the reason it was hard to climb out of overwhelm because was because I was really aware that I had good reason to be overwhelmed. Um, because right. I had, uh, I had babies close together. Um, I think, uh, when my fourth was born, my oldest was six or seven so mm-hmm. we had very small children and a lot of them and my husband worked out of town a lot his mm-hmm. schedule was really unpredictable and he would, so he would be gone for um you know weeks at a time and then right. just a few days um also um when we got married I really underestimated how difficult it would be to uh, be married to someone who um, had a really traumatic childhood and that had never been brought 
podcast and he's mm-hmm. he's fine with me saying that um uh we've worked through it now but um but at the time uh it was yeah. just another thing um in an already very stressful situation and we moved a lot during those years as well um right i think we moved five or six times in the uh, first 10 years of our marriage yeah there was a lot going on and so i felt like my overwhelm was justified and also that um that there wasn't very much i could do about it uh, because it was just circumstances now could you share that were you able to share how you were feeling with the people in your life or did you kind of feel like it was hidden i asked that question because our early marriage overwhelm that I experienced, I, I, uh, things ran out of control for sure. And I couldn't reach out for help. Yeah. Um, for definitely the first five to seven years, for sure. I had a hard time. I didn't really, uh, oftentimes I didn't even know exactly what I was struggling with. Um, it felt kind of invisible, uh, because I was, because I was really young, I just didn't know what was normal and what wasn't um, in relationships and in um, I didn't really know what trauma looked like. And it felt like it felt very private too, that I couldn't see other people struggling with these things. Yeah. And you were one of the first of, of this big community that we had. You were really one of the first kids to get married and go off on your own you know, of the first few anyways, you know, and so you aren't, you weren't really around other mm-hmm. young marrieds, which yes. I think is so vital. Pope John Paul said that, you know, we should be supporting young couples in the first 10 years of marriage, you know, then that's, that's powerful. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And that was really, um, when we did start to find other people who were encountering some of struggles that it was so heartwarming and, uh, it really did make a difference. Um, at around uh, five or six years in, we also started uh, seeing a counselor, and that was enormously helpful. And it, honestly, it really um, was a saving grace for us as well. We saw, uh, we, um, yes, those cultural and societal expectations uh, are really, I think, where so much suffering comes from today that um, especially I think we all know that social media isn't great for our mental health. Oftentimes maybe we don't really realize why, or even uh, that it's affecting us and that we're only seeing people's the kind of shiny side of their lives. We're thinking to ourselves, we might even realize, okay, well that's, it's just for Instagram, right? That her house looks that nice, but still that's the only part that we see and then we like turn off our phone and look at our own house and it's really a lot so so you find yourself in this place and you're unoverwhelmed so it sounds like one of the first sort of steps out of that was connecting with other young married couples who were experiencing similar uh similar situations uh but then from there what like what 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 was the catalyst for change? Like what was going on? What was going through your mind that led you eventually to, to seek the path that you sought, which we'll get into in a few minutes. I would say that 
that I struggled and I struggled and I struggled until COVID hit, I think. And then, and then I kind of felt like I fell off, fell off a cliff and I knew I had to change something because at that point we'd been through, we'd been in counseling for years at that point. My youngest was, um, he was not a baby anymore. And, uh, so I expected because I knew that I always started to feel better when they were around a year and a half to two years old. And then I went pregnant again. Um, but I was, I was really, I was like, it's okay. That, that moment's going to come. I'm going to start feeling better. Yes. And it didn't come. And I started feeling worse. At right. And, um, uh, right. And part of that was... Um, that I had tried homeschooling my kids for a couple of years and right. had felt like it ended in failure. And um, and I really yeah. let that define me. Um, yeah. The fact that I hadn't succeeded wow, and I felt yeah. like I should have. That uh, because I'd been homeschooled my whole life, I'd grown up in the homeschooling community. I had all the tools I needed. I had people to support me. I knew I had to change something. And then uh, the women's school um, sort of came into my I think I, I attended a little. That was the year that there were a million right. online conferences. <laughs> That's when I went online. <laughs> So we signed up for this one, and uh, January and her husband did a great talk on one of these, and was really inspiring. And so I sort of looked into it, and and then forgot about it for a few months, and then it just it kept coming back. And another friend, of the- like in your mind, it kept coming um, back. No, it just kept coming back into uh, like it was kind of being felt almost like it was being pushed, but there was like. I was being nudged. Right. That well, sometimes God does that, right? Like we, he's tap, tap, tap. Hello. <laughs> oh, you didn't listen. Hello. <laughs> and then a friend of mine um, mentioned that she was interested. And so we kind of goaded each other on. We're like, Ooh, maybe it'd be interesting. What do you think? And then so we joined together. And I don't think I really, I was very hopeful that it would help at least a little bit. But I wasn't uh, ready for the monumental change that it made in how I felt. And um, yeah. Okay. So tell so tell us a little about a little bit about sort of how the woman's school operates, so that people know first of all what it is, and then how it runs. So the woman's school is a. Uh, I'm going to give a bit of a shorter description, and then I'm going to just explain a couple parts of it. It is a wholeness training program um, designed to lead you into greater wholeness in your life. It does that through um, an examination of your unconscious mental habits, beliefs, and we call these mindsets, um, by developing new mental habits um, and by developing skills like decision-making, managing our tone and our words, uh, building resiliency, learning things like how to stop a negative thought spiral, uh, 
how to develop routines and, and so forth. And the program takes around four to five months and you can do it either in a group right. um, or you can okay. do it one-on-one. Okay. So, so you entered into this and you did all of this online. Uh, yes. Yes. So okay. um, I met with, I, we did, we joined a group and we didn't know any of the other ladies at the start. I think there were around five or six of us and they were from all over North America and we would meet uh, every two weeks, I think. And it was just really lovely to have other women who um, were, were each traveling um, towards wholeness or, you know, greater peace, uh, joy in our lives. Um, each person had their own particular struggle, but we were all, our goal was to be growing. And it's really lovely to grow with. My understanding is that it's a Catholic, like a Catholic woman who runs it, and it, it, it's not overtly a Catholic program per se. Okay. Yes, that's right. right. But it's there would be anything, nothing contrary to the faith sort of thing. Yes, exactly. Okay. She is, um, she's, a, she's a Catholic. Uh, she has eight children herself. And, uh, and it's based even on Ignatian discernment, um, but, um, but not overtly Catholic. She will, um, they just did a refilm. So I haven't got all the way through the second refilm yet, but, but she will mention God from time to time, but in a, not in a denominational way. Right. Okay. So what do you feel like? were the biggest factors when you were going through that four or five months that led to the monumental change? Because you were also going through some other hard things at the time, right? I think you mean my son's seizures. And that actually came right afterwards. And I was very very grateful that I had just gone. Right after, okay. Yeah. Did you feel like that helped you to cope with that? Yeah. Okay. So, so what were the factors that were the biggest players for you to feel different about yourself, your life, your um, ability to, to be resilient against difficulties? Mm -hmm. Um, So the steps of the program, you start with, you start with your dreams and your dreams. What, what I mean by that is that you start looking at the dreams that you have for your life. And many, oftentimes they may be dreams that you um, have said, well, that's not going to happen for me. That's not realistic. Um, That's not something that I can have right now, or I can't have ever. Um, Dreams are selfish. These are all things you might start thinking about the things that you want for your life. It starts by taking a really honest uh, and non-judgmental look at those and recognizing that um, that our desires are good and that God uh, has given us our particular dreams for a reason and that they are meant to be pursued. Um, in one way or another, um, and that they're valuable and they tell us something about ourselves. So from there on, we, the rest of the program is about building our self-worth, our sense of self-worth, um, 
that we are uh, we are important as we are, and that our contribution to the world is important, then there's a really thorough looking at sort of our history and all the parts of our life where uh, we might be holding ourselves back um, unconsciously without even really realizing it. About 10% of our brains are conscious and then about 90% of it is unconscious. And it's just, you know, we have repetitive thoughts all day long that we're not even really aware of. And, uh, and it's just our brain saying kind of the same thing over and over again. And I was trying to explain mindset to my son and I said, okay, let's say that, um, you believe about yourself. You say, I'm just not good enough. This is a personal example. (laughs) Um, And, uh, and that, that belief might have come from trying, you know, learning math as a child. And maybe you had a teacher who was impatient with you, or um, maybe even someone close to you thought they were bad at math and you kind of took that on and um, internalized it and believed it about yourself. Um, There's many different ways that these can, uh, these ideas can become internalized. And then you, So, but your brain is always looking for confirmation of these beliefs that we have about ourselves. So you say, I'm bad at math. And then you are working on a problem and it's really, you're having a hard time with it. And so your brain says, ha ha, I knew we were bad at math. And then it becomes like this little loop where it's like, we're bad at math. Oh, look, there's confirmation we're bad at math. And it gets um, stronger and stronger. And that becomes an actual um, wiring in our brain. Now, but we can change these. And this is the great thing about our brains is that they're super plastic and that with effort and attention, we are capable of changing. Um, But it's not easy. So how we would change this idea that I'm bad at math is you would first notice, oh, I think I'm bad at math. Why do I think that? And being, but like being very non-judgmental. I wonder why I think that. And then you would, um, you would say, okay, I've got this belief that I'm bad at math. And I think it came from this when I was a kid. And you'd really examine what it was, all the reasons why that was, the people who said that you were, Um, the instances where you felt that. And then once you really understood the root of it, then you would say, well, I think I'm bad at math, but is that actually true? Math is actually just a skill, right? It's something we can be better or worse at. Uh, I'm bad at math compared to who? Um, And like, I mean, we can always be better at something. So then we would just, we would create a new thought uh, or mindset and, and it would be something like, I can, be, I can choose to be better at math or I am, I am getting better at math. Um, and then you would, you would practice it every day, but you would also be looking for opportunities um, where your brain 
says, oh, I'm bad at math. And you say, no, no, we're not, no, that's not true. We're actually getting better at math. And, and then you would follow that up with, um, with action to show your brain that you're getting better at math. Maybe you do a math problem a day. Uh, and, and you Okay. Okay. That's awesome. So is it important in the big picture of things, is it important to know why you think the things you think, or is it just important to know that you think them so you can move on from them? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It is helpful. I think, um, yes, just noticing, just noticing that you, uh, believe something about yourself is helpful. It is help. Um, and you can make progress from there. Um, right. Helpful to know where it comes from. Um, I always find that understanding where it came from makes it, you can see why it's not true or how like an artificial construct. Right. Right. Okay. So you kind of, if you have the opportunity, we don't always, but if you have the opportunity to trace it back and recognize it, that may be the thing that says, well, why did I think that thing? That's so kind of silly or, or what was I, you know, I was just a little kid or whatever. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It also brings, um, I don't know, some peace or oftentimes healing to be able to go back and say, Oh, I see how that took me. Right. And that's not true. And I can believe something right. Yeah, I bet. So when you're going through this process in a group, do you also have opportunity to connect with an individual at some point if you need to offload or understand something or whatever? Do you sort of have some one-on-one as part of the program? Yes. So the um, the groups are always led by a strategist and they are there to guide the group and are also available have uh, a one-on-one conversation if that's right okay okay and so then when did you feel like you were complete like when did you feel like the process was completed and understanding that all these things personal growth is like holiness we never arrive right (laughs) you know there's always room for for improvement but what was sort of the the indicator to you that I've come a long way and I can handle my life now. Yes. Um, I would say it came um, before the end of the program for sure. Right. That wasn't so much that I felt like I'd arrived, just I could see that I wasn't stuck anymore. That right. no matter what happened, that I had tools um, and sol- solutions uh, to move forward. And getting to the end of the program was great. And, but uh, it's definitely a process that you can go through over and over again. Right. That's was going to be my next question, actually. If you felt like two years from now, if you felt like you were getting stuck again, could you go through it again? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mind me asking what the cost is? Because I think that my listeners would really appreciate kind of knowing, okay, what am I getting into here? Yes. So... I tend to think of the price in terms of a university course. Uh, it's not a cheap course in the sense that uh, it's like, it's right. not like a ebook or something like that. It's, uh, there's 
uh, an hour to an hour and a half video lesson every week and then lots of homework PDFs right, and yeah. then your group or uh, personal sessions as well. So definitely in scope of like uh, time and effort and materials, it's definitely around the um, scope of a university right. course. Uh, it's about the same, a similar length to a... Like a semester. Yes. Right. So okay. Group, yeah. Okay. So the group cost is $9.97 okay. for, um, for the four, four to five months. It depends on the strategist. Some strategists... Right. Strategists can set their own prices too. It's not, uh, this is just another misconception. Sometimes people think an MLM, it's not, it's more like a franchise. So strategists can, um, they can include it in businesses, businesses that they already have. Um, it, there's a lot of flexibility in how they price it. So the recommended pricings, uh, start off at 997 per group and then, it's around five thousand for um, for one on one. Okay. That also can be very. It can be flexible depending on whether you want um, access for the limited amount of time for for both right. ones or for right. an unlimited access where you would endless. Gotcha. But you know, if you take a look at like those prices, even the individual ones, if you looked at counseling, I mean, counseling is an expensive commitment. It's important, but you know, it's, it's expensive. So if this is something that you could put in the same category, you know, I don't think that, that, you know, 997 for a, an extended period of whether you would classify it as life coaching or counseling or personal coaching or whatever. uh, It, I don't think that's ludicrous prices. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, yes, especially in light of um, how much counseling costs. And oftentimes I think people kind of wonder to themselves, do I need counseling? It doesn't seem like quite what I need. Right. Uh, counseling seems, might seem like overkill yeah. the problems that they have. And, uh, and I think this is a very nice uh, middle ground. Right. Between, not like not yeah. doing it and, and having counseling. Obviously, this is not. I'm not a medical practitioner of any kind. This yeah. isn't counseling, um, but right. we have we do have several um, psychologists who have okay. uh, become strategists so so that they can bring it into their own practice. Right. Okay. So, question then: Would you would people who become strategists be what would their be response be if they identify that somebody required a different layer to the kind of counseling they were getting, if there was trauma or whatever, what, how would, they, do they respond to that? They would suggest counseling. Yeah. We, uh, okay. We, yeah. We don't take on, um, we can't obviously deal with mental health uh, problems um, ourselves, but we can recommend it and we can continue to, uh, do what we are doing while they go to counseling, um, and it is—it's uh, a very good companion to counseling. And personally, I found that it was a catalyst for the coaching that or the counseling that I had had. That uh, that it removed blocks that 
I just hadn't been able to get past in counseling. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, that's what she kept telling me. I never understood that. And now I understand it. And um, so I was able to eventually um, graduate, if you will, from counseling because because I went through this. Right. So, so perhaps something to help you take what you're learning in counseling and put and make it into a practical application. Yes. That's kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, how would you, in a sense, how would you define it? Like mentorship, uh, life coaching, would you, would you sort of be able to categorize what the woman's school does? Some people do, um, I think even strategists uh, disagree a little bit exactly how you would classify it. Some people right. uh, refer to it as life coaching. I think mentorship is a really lovely way to look at it. And that's sort of how I see it myself okay. uh, in my own practice. Right. Okay. And so now you've taken this and you've turned it into something so that you can help mm-hmm. other people. Right. So, so how does that look? You know, when you're, when you're um, working with somebody, is it, is it the same program? Um, Yeah. So I use the school program. Okay. Eventually I have ideas for um, smaller courses for uh, complementary courses. Uh, But at at the moment um, this is what I offer. And then I am, uh, I'm about to, in the next few weeks, I will also be offering a mini uh, package, a mini coaching package on overcoming overwhelm. So just one skill and, uh, and then uh, two coaching sessions. Um, to, uh, okay. Oh, that's great. And so where can people reach you if they wanted to talk more about this? Do you do sort of an introductory thing so that people can talk to you one-on-one and get an idea of what... T- what's going to happen. Okay. Absolutely. I always offer um, a free okay. coaching session if nice. somebody's interested. And this is definitely more of a coaching uh, session than a right. session. <laughs> um, so, oh, well, she offers this free session, but it's right. just going to sell me something. And my focus for this is definitely coaching. You know, I've interviewed a few people who are in, doing coaching in different capacities, like I, a, a woman who is a sleep coach and another woman who's a life coach and various other things. And they offer these introductory things. And it's so smart, I think, because for their time, whatever it is, 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever they do, you know, most of us are nervous to sort of step out and hire somebody because it's expensive. But if you feel like you can develop a little bit of rapport with someone, then you can see that being just a better place to to be so that you think, okay, I'm not wasting my money. I've met this person. I like them. Or, you know what? We just didn't click, right? Yes. It's a really good oh, idea. Thank you. Yes, I think so too. I think, uh, and it's helpful for me as yeah. well because I don't want to work with someone who doesn't want to work with me. And I want it to exactly. be a good fit for both of us. So it's a really good session for both of us to be uh, finding out if it's a good fit. Oh, I should have mentioned before with the prices, there are, um, there are always uh, installment plans. So it does uh, 
more affordable, more accessible. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. Okay. That's cool. And so where do people find yes. you? Okay. Mostly on Instagram these days. Uh, yes. That's my main, uh, Right. <laughs> yes, it's low upkeep. Instagram's great. I, I basically all my, you know, everything I do, I put on Instagram now because I got, well, I, I got tired of the politics of Facebook. And so it automatically goes to Facebook, but I don't really go on Facebook. So it's nice to, it's nice to have it. Instagram's more friendly, in my opinion. <laughs> Political. I agree. Um, oh. There's less, yeah, mudslinging. For sure. <laughs> yes. Okay. So just one quick last question for you. If somebody, if you recognize that a, a young mom was on overwhelm or heading, you know, down that spiral, because sometimes it can be clear that somebody's spiraling downwards. What advice would you give her? What would be, what would be her first step? Maybe she's not ready to be in a program yet, or maybe she's just uh, starting to notice that things are not the way they should be. What, what would you give as advice to her? Good question. Um, Thank you. Thinking you looking back on you at that stage, what would have been helpful for you to hear maybe? Finding someone to talk to, for sure. Someone who, uh, yeah. who they can trust, um, who yeah. won't mind them and burdening themselves and won't judge them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If you can, if you can find uh, counseling or mentorship, that's a really, really helpful thing to do. Also, carving out a bit of time for yourself. I'm uh, very passionate mm -hmm. about. Um, women developing routines that are nourishing and uh, have a bit of space mm -hmm. to breathe, um, yeah. even if it's just a few minutes every day. Um, and mm -hmm. also finding something that they love. Um, that can be really hard to do when you've got little kids. Uh, it can feel like Mm -hmm. don't have any interest anymore. I found I'd always loved to read. And then when I had babies, I oftentimes found it really hard to read. I was just so tired um, that, mm -hmm. I, that it wasn't interesting to me. Um, but so finding something that you love, whether it's reading or something else. Um, yeah. I would say finding something, something fun, find finding a way to exercise a little bit, even if it's just a little bit every day and finding a mm -hmm. little bit of time to uh, just feel good about yourself, whether that means, you know, mm -hmm. journaling or uh, making sure your hair is done or that you're even dressed like first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, if that's, if you find that that is uplifting to you, finding these little things um, that bring you joy, that, um, that make you feel like a person Mm -hmm. yes. kind of honoring your own dignity right yeah I remember years ago when I had my first baby and you know this is 1987 and kind of like it was almost an expectation that that you have children and then you are frumpy like that's just the way it is and I thought I am not going to be that person right I'm going to get dressed every day I'm going to put on a bit of makeup I'm going to you know not 
kind of wander around in my sweats, right? <laughs> and I mean, some people that wouldn't affect them, it wouldn't bring them down. But it did for me, I, I couldn't go there. And it was really valuable for me, I think it sort of set me on a really healthy pattern for my life. And also taking time, this is something I've said on the podcast many times, that I for years, I had Saturday mornings off. So Albert was home, I went out for a few hours and I could do whatever I wanted. So it wasn't, I didn't have like, oh, okay, I'm going to get the groceries done or I'm going to do the X, Y, or Z. Although grocery shopping without your children is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I can just take my time, you know, but it, those were really important patterns to start really early on in my motherhood career. I you know? agree with that. And so good that you yeah. recognize that you needed that. Well, thank you so much. I will let people, um, know that they can get a hold of you. I'll put your links in my uh, show notes. But cultivating.ourselves is your Instagram handle. And um, I would really encourage people to reach out. Thank you. Sorry, I, um, I, I should mention too that I have a free PDF for um, okay. as well. If you click on the link in my bio, I have a, um, a PDF on setting routines. For I saw that. that yeah. That are not another chore. So. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Elisa. This has been lovely. Yeah. Thank you. God too. bless. Thank Have you. a wonderful afternoon. You as well.